Welcome back to the next part of this Truth and Rhythm episode. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. Also become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you so much for your interest and support. Enjoy. Well, so you mentioned, you know, that you never really wanted to be the lead guy and, and all that, but you did eventually start putting out some solo records. What inspired you to, to get on that? Well, you know, again, keeping a band together is the hardest thing to do in the world. And I tried and tried. And then it was like, you know what? I need to make some music and I want to make some music and I'm going to have to, I'm going to, to make the music that I kind of, that I want to do, I'm going to have to do it myself. And so I did. And, uh, you know, it's funny, even the, the very first uh, solo record, uh, Friends with Privileges, I, that was originally supposed to be all covers. I, I was doing that record to have something to sell at gigs. But as I was recording it, it started feeling good and it was feeling better. And then, you know, an original, I put an original here, an original there. And Wadi, Wadi came to my house. I had a studio set up in the house and Wadi came to the house and played. And, and I was on the road with the Stones and Wadi sent me, he sent me some uh, rhythm tracks. He sent me some rhythm tracks and I was like, oh, wow, I like this. And I just I started writing, you know, I started writing to it. So. And it felt good. So I, I, I just put it on. So, you know, what was supposed to be a cover record turned out, ended up being my first solo record. I and, and it's a great record, really, like varied, mm -hmm. you know, and um Love the covers. So you mentioned like Pop That Thing and Cinnamon Girl. and Yes, um, yes. And, and tra you, Trance is really funky. Trance. Well, you know, Trance, uh, Trance was, Trance, uh, that was a, 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 a new version. Uh, I originally wrote Trance with Tackhead. That's on, I think, uh, Friendly as a hand grenade, if I'm not mistaken. Trance was on that. And uh, so, again, you know, I'm making my own record and I can do what I want to do. You got the Stones cover on there. You know, it's yes. a little bit of everything that came before. 
Well, you know, I decided, Scott, that whenever I do a solo project, because I've spent so much time with the Stones, every solo project that I do, I will put one Rolling Stones song on it. I decided to do that. So yes, I I put that on uh, Friends with Privileges, and then they, and then um, after Friends with Privileges, I wanted to make another solo record. Ah, uh, you got the bug. I got the bug. I wanted to make another solo record. You know, uh, with not so many covers on it, <clears throat> and so. Uh, I had hooked up with the guitar player that I had met here. I met here in Los Angeles. I got a call from an engineer friend of mine, uh, Roby Banerjee. He's uh, originally, he's from, um, he's from Canada. And uh, I met Roby here years ago. But anyway, uh, he called me one day and asked me, he was working with a, a young band. I think they were called... Um, Revis. The name of the band was Revis. And uh, I went to the studio. Um, they asked, Roby asked me to come and, you know, kind of help the singer along. And while I was there, I heard this guitar player and I was like, wow, this cat is good. And he and I became friends. Uh, I would use him a lot on a lot of solo gigs. And so when I was uh, ready to do, you know, my next solo project, I called him and told him I wanted him to be in the seat next to me. You know, uh, I, 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 I think it's good, you know, to have someone there to bounce ideas off of. And, uh, and he was the guy that I picked. His name is Robert Davis. And, um, you know, I would go to his house and, you know, I'd play him some ideas and vice versa. And a lot of the songs just came so easily. And so we started the process. And uh, that record, I didn't, I wanted it to be I didn't want it to be what I had done before. And that record is exactly what I wanted it to. And I'm really proud of that record. I, I absolutely love that record. That's the album, The Bora. It's a great, rock, it's a rock album is what I mean. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. And I was able to, you know, I was able to um, to get to get some really great players, really great players on that record. Uh, you know, uh, Wadi Wachtel, Slash, Slash is on there. Slash, Phil X, who took uh, Richie Sambora's place for Bon Jovi. Phil X. Uh, Daryl Jones, Will Calhoun, I'm like Chuck, you know, Chuck D and Doug, man, 
those cats gonna make me cry, man. They, you know, when I listen to them, you know, the the time and work that they put in for the Bora, I get a little misty eyed. Cause they all came in. I called them, and I asked them to come and play, and they played. I'm see, cause I'm I'm making records. I it ain't no record company. That's me. That's me. I can't pay them what they worth. I, I can't. I can't. And I asked them to come, and they came. And they played their asses off, man. And, and oh, Albert Lee? Mm -hmm. Albert Lee and Fode Suso together. Mm -hmm. See, I learned that. You know who I learned that from? Mr. Laswell. <laughs> That's right. How long did it take you to I'll, how long did it take you to produce that record? That record, you know, it, well, you know, it was kind of spread out because I was on the road with the stones, off the road with the stones, on the road with myself. I would say in total, in total, it was probably eight months nine months it's probably eight nine months let's say around nine months you know because like i said i was going in and coming out going in and something else that i learned from making that record you know before that you know like you know when i uh you know i produced these records for ronnie wood you know i produced two records for ronnie wood and when I produced those records, I'd always make roughs and take them home and listen to them. You know, I was listening constantly. For that record, for the Bora, excuse me, for the Bora, when I left the studio, I left the studio. I never took anything home. When I went on the road, I left it. So whenever I came back to it, it always was fresh to me. Lucas Nelson, Willie's son, is singing duet with me. Mm. Um, I got to, you know, uh, Dragon Attack is by far my favorite Queen song. So Ooh, you got good taste, man, because I got I, I, I'm gonna toot my my own horn for a second right here, Scott. But that track on the Bura is fucking hot. No argument, man. Ooh, it's so hot. Oh Lord, that track is so hot. I remember when I first heard that track and listened to it, I'm like, mm, you know what? Great track, but something's missing. Something is missing. And you know what it was? The funk. Mm -hmm. The funk was, it was, it's still a great track, but it was almost there. And when I redid it, I was able to inject the funk in it. Damn, that's a hot track. You reached back to that Bootsy experience and pulled it forward. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Ooh, that's oh, 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 oh. 
that that dragon attack is on fire. Yeah. Ooh, you got good taste there, my friend. <laughs> Thanks. So your most recent record, let's talk about that, um, the uh, Inside Out, which uh, mm. definitely an adventurous, uh, e even for you, I think, adventurous and departure, you know, with uh, the way you reworked these Stone songs and did the spoken mm. style, uh, kind of invocative of like the last poets kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know. Go on. No, what, what, what inspired that, and, and what, what went into uh, its creation, Bernard? Well, you know, when I, when I was finishing up the Bura, you know, and you know, oh, you know what the Bura means, right? You know what the Bura is? I do not. I didn't think you did. Most people don't know what it is. Um, it's kind of a... a kind of a dedication to a, a really good friend of mine. The Bura, the Bura is a hurricane force wind that blows off the Adriatic between Italy and Croatia. Hmm. And uh, I was uh, out doing some uh, solo gigs and uh, I don't know how I got there, but I was in Croatia, I had some time off and uh i was using a local drummer and we had we had a few days you know in between shows and i didn't feel like going where everybody else was going and like i think he saw it and he said hey let me let me you know i'd never been there before so he said let's i will take you to uh to another place so we're driving down driving down the coast of Croatia and uh, we hit a tunnel. We drive through, as we're driving through the tunnel, lights start flashing. And I'm like, yo man, what's, what's going on? And he says, you know, you know the Buddha? I'm like, the Buddha, what the, I don't know what a Buddha is. I, he said, the lights, he said, the lights is the Buddha. This means the Buddha. So we drive through the tunnel. And when we come out the tunnel, a wind hit this, hit the, hit the van, and the van started. I never felt anything. It was like, all of a sudden, it was pow, and he stopped. And he said, he said, he looked at me and said, this is the Buddha. It's such a strong wind. It's like a hurricane force wind. It blows off the Adriatic. And he said, it's, it's not uncommon for that wind to lift the, lift the van up and turn it over. It just happened. So when I was looking for when I was looking for a name for the record, I just remembered that story, and so I named the uh, I named I named the record the Buddha. I'm glad you explained that because I mean it it's perfect for that record. So, and uh, so uh, Inside Out, getting back to Inside Out, um, 
you know you you're right you you're right when you when you uh, mentioned you know the last poets um as again you know i don't like doing I don't like doing, you know, what everybody's doing. I, 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 I need to be challenged, and I'm always trying to challenge myself. Especially if I'm making a record for myself, it's, it, it has to be something different. So, as I was finishing up, as I was finishing up the Bora, I was talking to Robert, you know, Robert Davis, you know that co-produced the uh, board with me and I'm like Robert I got an idea for my next record he said yeah I said yeah yeah I said but I said it can't be anything like the last two records I said it's gonna be something totally different and so I thought about doing a spoken word record. And I kept just throwing the idea around in my head. And there was some song, um, what song is it? Um, I'm trying to think of what song it was, a uh, stone song I heard in when I listen to the song, when I listen to the song and I'm listening to the lyric, I'm like, it just came together. That song would be incredible spoken word. So I just kept toying around with the idea and I kind of went away from it. I went away from it, you know. I'm finishing up the Bora. I had to go back on the road with the stones. So yeah, we finished rehearsal. I think yeah, we finished rehearsal and we're like doing sound checks and you know I played conga and I hadn't played for a while, so I thought let me go up before everybody gets there and let me just practice you know the conga. I only play on one song, but you know. So let me just do that. So I'm playing Kunga and everybody's coming to the stage. We're going to start the sound check. And Chuck Lavelle, Chuck Lavelle says, uh, hey, guys, we're going to do whatever song it was. We're going to do this song. So I'm playing the Kunga. And I and what I can't remember the song that he said we were going to do at the sound check, but I'm playing the Kunga. And I had my mic and I started, I started, uh, I started saying the lyric in spoken word form as I'm playing the conga. And everybody's walking on stage and Chuck is smiling and Keith is smiling and everybody's smiling, you know, and, you know, some people are laughing, you know. They don't know that um, this is some this is something I'm really thinking about. So it became a thing that I did at soundcheck. <laughs> you know, I do it and I start reciting it in spoken word, whatever you know, whatever song. 
So one day, I'm going to the stage to practice, and Mick is on stage behind the conga. He's playing the conga, and he stops, and he looks at me, and he says, Bernard, I've heard Rolling Stones songs done a lot of ways, many different ways. He said, but I've never heard it done like that. And I said, well, when the tour is over, I'm going to cut that. And he said, you should. And then Keith said, yeah, make sure you do a good one. Do one of my songs, he said something. And so, when he said that, that was a green light for me. So as soon as, the, as, soon as that tour ended, I got back home. Now originally, um, my idea for that record, it was just going to be percussion. Only percussion and voice. Uh, and uh, I called uh, Walfredo, Walfredo Reyes Jr., percussion player, drummer. And I asked him to come by the studio. Again, just everybody, you know, just sweet, sweet, sweethearts. So he comes by and we're, we're, talking, about, we're talking rhythms. And it was important that the rhythms were from you know, the, the rhythms from everywhere. Everywhere in South America has a different rhythm. You know, different parts of Africa have different rhythms. And this is a conversation that we were having. And so um, it started with, with Walfredo. And uh, I, he played a he played a couple of a, a couple of grooves, and I have the I have the songbook. So he's playing, and I'm scrolling through the songbook. The only the criteria was a strong lyric content, and a lot of the strong lyric contact context are not the A sides. There's a couple, but most of them are album cuts, or B-side cuts. Oh, the song I was trying to think about that, uh, that I was telling you about that I had in my head was uh, 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 Undercover of the Night. Mm -hmm. The lyric is so strong. That's one of the A-sides, but yeah. Right. So... I had I got that recorded. Then I called I called Lenny Castro. Lenny Castro, percussionist extraordinaire, also from New York City. My New York brothers in California. I called him and I got him to overdub on some of the tracks, and I got him and and uh, Walfredo to play together, and then. I don't know. I just I'm hearing things in my head, and I decided, you know what? I need. I'm. I want to make it. 
I want to make, I, maybe I want to make it fuller, not just percussion. So I call, I get on the phone and I call Vince Wilburn, Vince Wilburn Jr., Miles Davis' nephew. I call Daryl Jones. And I, so I asked them all to meet me at Vince's house. Vince has a, you know, recording you know, facility in his house. So we all go to Vince's house and they're like, yo, Bernard, what are we doing? And I tell them what I'm doing. <laughs> they're kind of looking at me like, <laughs> I remember what I said. <laughs> you know, I just seen them like looking at me. I'm, I don't know, but I'm sure one of them must have been saying, Bernard is out of his fucking mind. What is wrong with him? And I remember somebody saying, Bernard, only you would think to do something like this. But anyway, we got to Vince's house. It was Daryl, Vince, and uh, George Evans, guitar player. <clears throat> George Evans, guitar player. Now, that was crucial because what I was looking for was kind of um, kind of old school uh, old school kind of um, kind of you know um, you know uh, you know 60s 70s you know old soul grooves you know uh, barcades or Curtis Mayfield, or, you know, that's what I was looking for in my head. So I get there and I would, I would just say, play. They were like, yo, man, what? Then I said, play, just play. And they start playing. Now the magic, I didn't know it. I didn't really think about it, but one, but when I did think about it and I'm looking at these guys playing, I'm like, oh shit. This is perfect. They're all three of them are from Chicago. They're all from Chicago. And that that type of groove is all inside them. They grew up listening to that. They knew exactly. And they started playing. And I would say, okay, stop. That's the groove I want. Then they play again. And they Play. Stop! That little piece right there, that's the groove I want. That's where we start. And, and the day was like that. Hmm. And at the same time, again, I have the lyric book. And I'm going through. And as they're playing, I'm reciting in my head. They're not hearing anything. I'm in my head, and that's how I knew it, it, it was right. So once I got that, once I got those tracks, there was one thing missing in some of those rhythm tracks. And what was missing was that wah, you know, that soul wah, like a shaft, you know, the, you know, the wah. Yeah. So was that was that I I well I, was that Ray Parker that brought that or 
I called Ray. I called Ray. And he's like, yo, man, what are you doing? What you trying to do? I'm saying, Ray, man, I'm, I, I need some wah. I need, I need some funky guitar. Look, nobody, look, when you need some funky guitar, who are you going to call? <laughs> yeah. Who are you going to call? Ray Parker. <laughs> so Ray says, he says, oh, Bernard, you know, I'll, you know, I, 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 I can, I'll do it. And I, I met Ray through Steve Jordan. We, we had done a couple of Emmy shows together. And uh, so he says, well, I don't know. He said, man, maybe you want to call, you want to call Wawa, call Wawa Watson. And I was like, no, I want you to do it. He said, okay. So he comes to Vince's house, plugs in, hit record, nailed it, nailed it. One after the other, ba, 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 done. So I'm home. I get a call. I get a call from Steve Jordan. Hey, he'll call every once in a while. He'll call. Yo, brother. Yo, man. What you doing, man? <laughs> so I say, I said, I'm working on a new project, man. He said, man, let me hear what you're doing. So I sent Steve some of the percussion tracks. I didn't send them the rhythm the rhythm sections. I sent the but the just the percussion tracks. The next day, he calls and says, "Yo, man, I gotta play on that shit." And I'm saying, "Okay, well, when you're in town next time, you know, when you're in town next time, okay." So. He was in town. He might have been doing John Mayer or something. He's producing John Mayer or something. So he calls me. Yo, man, where you at? I said, I'm at the studio. I'm coming over. Now, I thought he was just going to play on one track. The one track or the two tracks that I, I, that I let him hear. He comes in the door with Clayton Cameron, the brushmaster. And he played on everything. And I'm like, oh man, come on. It just started, it, everything just started to gel. And Michael Bearden, you know, Michael Bearden, um, piano player, you know, he was uh, the MD for the Michael Jackson tour that didn't happen. Then Mike Garson came and played. <laughs> Everything just started to, it just, it just started. Snowball. It just started to gel. Everything just started to gel. And, you know, I found all the, the right lyrics. I matched the right lyrics with the right groove. And um, uh, uh, the song, um, uh, I mentioned it just a second ago. Um, Undercover of the Night? Yes. Okay, so, okay, this is the last story I'll tell you about this record. So, 
I'm putting the finishing touches on. So I'm listening to Undercover of the Night. And I started writing uh, like a dialogue, like I'm writing dialogue of, uh, of a girl who's in the middle, she's in the jungle and this war is happening. The war is happening around her. So I'm writing from that girl's perspective. And once I had it, I thought, I need a, I need a girl. I wanted it in Spanish. So I asked Walfredo, you know, and, you know, he sent me a couple of people, you know, some of them were actresses and, you know, the, but it just wasn't right. So I called my, I called my big brother Carmine and I said, Carmine, I need um I need a girl to come into the studio and and read some dialogue for a track. I said it has to be in Spanish. Carmine's Carmine's Puerto Rican, New York New York Rican. So I said there's only one thing. She has to be from Nicaragua. So he calls me back, he says She's on her way there. I'll meet you there in a little while. So the girl comes. Now, she's not a singer. She's not an actress. She's never been in a recording studio before. She comes with her son. And I give her this dialogue that I write. And she sit and she's reading it. And she, she seems a bit apprehensive. And I'm like, what's wrong? She says, just blew my mind. She says, Bernard, I want to, she said, I don't know. She said, I don't know. What was happening was she was raised. She was, she was raised during the war. She experienced the war in Nicaragua and she didn't want it to be one-sided. She was worried about that. And I was like, no, no, no. It could be a girl from any side. You're not taking sides. And she, she said, okay. And she went inside and she's reading this dialogue and she, she starts to cry. Got it. I got it. And when I listened back to that, the hair on my arm stood, it stood up because it's, it was just so real, you know? She was there during that war. So that was, um, that was a magic moment. Wow. That brings some magic authenticity. Moment. Oof. Yeah. Incredible. Wow. Well, con congratulations on that record. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And you are right. You know, The Last Poets was in my head. Gil Scott Heron was in my head. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I saw, uh, you know, Deaf, uh, Deaf Poets, Deaf Poet thing on HBO and uh, Felipe Luciano, who, who was part of the original Last Poets. 
as well as part of the Young Lords, he recited a poem on there and it was so strong. And I, re I even wrote it in my book, Felipe Luciano. And that, again, that was another influence that helped me get through that. And I even, I even gave him a, a, a special thanks on the record, you know, for, for some inspiration. So again, I'm real, uh, that's another record. I'm really, really, really proud of that record. And I would, I went to, uh, I went to Uruguay February. I went to Uruguay um, because uh, I had met some master candombe percussionists. And uh, the story from Uruguay, this, this, I went there to record percussion for the next, the next Inside Out project. And there's a whole story. He's like, you know, his, he's like descendant of slaves. He's a player and a drum maker. And, you know, I found out the reason why the Kondombe, the Kondombe looks like a pregnant Kunga. And the reason is, if you're in Uruguay and you look around at all the bars, you see Johnny Walker Red, Johnny Walker Whiskey, da, 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 da. well, the slaves in Uruguay, they took the whiskey kegs and put skins on them and made their drums. That's why they're shaped the way they are. I never knew that. Mm. So I was able to get him as uh, Lobo Nunez. Lobo Nunez, he's a, a master condombe drum builder, drum player, and, um, and, um, and Ruben Rada. Ruben Rada, I was able to get the two of them and they bought their sons and so I have a bunch of percussion tracks for the next Inside Out ready to go. Locked and loaded. Ready to go. Very cool. Hey, thank you for all the uh, stories, memories, and insights, and just talking okay, to you. You, you, you got me going, man. I got I to gotta make sure that I write some of these things. I'm, I'm taking notes from I'm starting to write. You know, about I'm, I want to write a book about my journey through music and a lot of those stories I have to make sure that I include. So thank you. What can we look for next uh, from you musically? I'm writing a bit, you know, it's starting to, it's starting to come now because, you know, when, when COVID first hit, it threw me. It threw me for a loop. I, I've never been, I have not been in home or I've not been in one place like this in 40 years. So I, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think I was depressed. I was definitely depressed for, you know, you know, first four months, man really really depressed behind it and i think i'm just now starting to come out of it so i'm starting to you know starting to write a bit so i think uh you know i want to make a you know 
I want to do I got I got two records I have to do. I have to do the follow-up to the Bora. And uh, as I had said, I, I already have percussion tracks from Uruguay for the next version of Inside Out. So those are the two things that that uh, that uh, people can look forward to uh, hearing coming coming from me. And who knows? Maybe there's something else that might come that I don't know about. I'm you know I'm open. I'm open. I'm open to collaborating. Uh, and you know maybe there'll be another Tackhead project. You know, I love doing that tack head and I love doing nickel bag, which we didn't cover at all. But that was, uh, those were, those were two things. Those were two projects, two projects that I thought had real promise, nickel bag and tack head. Yeah. We, well, before we did this interview, I mentioned that I saw your guys show at the key club with nickel bag and, this in the '90s and Stevie Salas and right yeah yeah that was that was fire man and uh, that was some, yeah that's some tough stuff there man tough what, stuff man. what was the Bootsy project when you met Stevie Salas say again was that Bootsy project how you met Stevie Salas no no I met Stevie Salas oh I was I was I was coming from somewhere. And Bill again, Bill again called me. Uh, he called me to do some, to help, to help, uh, to help uh, do some vocals on um, on a project Stevie was doing called Third Eye. It was uh, Stevie, oh yeah, Stevie, Bootsy. Buddy, and Bo and Bootsy, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Bill called me to go to the studio to help with that. And that's where I met Stevie. And uh, I think a year or two later. Oh, after that, after that, uh, Stevie called me and asked me to sing a song for one of his solo records. And then a year or so after that, uh, he called and, you know, we talked about doing a project together. And that that was nickel bag it was nickel bag when we did it but um the last time the last time we got together to uh play that music we changed the name from nickel bag to imf the imfs also known as the international motherfuckers and okay. that was uh, myself well there were different versions but um the version that sticks with me bandwise, which I absolutely loved, was uh, Stevie, myself, Dave Abruziz from Pearl Jam, the original drummer from Pearl Jam, and uh, Jara Harris, bass player from here. Slap back. When, that's right. That's right. And when Jara couldn't do it, we had T.M. Stevens. We had T.M. Stevens playing bass. God bless him. You know, T.M.'s uh, not well now. You know, he's living in the hospital. So, but uh, we had, whew, we had some blinding shows, man. Ooh, man. Well, I thought maybe you met uh, Stevie at, 
uh, with that Bootsy project because I know he played on Leakin on that, and then it was redone on that Third Eye project too. Right. So, yeah. yeah. No, I didn't meet Stevie during that Bootsy project. I met him during the Bootsy Buddy Miles Buddy Miles project. I got you. Very cool. Mm -hmm. What's the best way for viewers to keep up with all things Bernard Fowler? Um, there is a website. You know, I do have a website, and um, you know, you could check uh, check Instagram and Facebook. You know, whenever I'm doing something, I, I do try and post it. Uh, oh, the next thing that I oh, the next thing that I have that I I almost forgot to mention. Um, a year ago, or just uh, over a year ago, well, more than that, you know, um, I did a, um, I did a, I did a tour with Earl Slick. Earl Slick, um, Earl Slick and I did a tour, uh, 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 we did a tour. Uh, it was the anniversary of David Bowie's Station to Station album. Mm -hmm. And Earl called me, and David was still alive at the time, which is uh, another pretty cool story, because when uh, Earl called me, I said, well, you know, that's that was one of my favorite uh, Bowie albums. And uh, so I asked him, I said, Earl, does David know that you're going to do this? And he says, I knew you were going to ask that. I said, and he said, okay, let me tell you what happened. I called, I called DB. That's what you go. I called DB and I told him, you know, I wanted to do this tour, you know, for the anniversary of the station to station record. And the first thing he asked me was, hey, Slicky, who are you going to get to sing? And he said, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Bernard Fowler to do it, and uh, David's response was, "That's a good idea, Slicky." For a second, I thought you were gonna call a skinny white guy to do Bowieoki, <laughs> and he was totally into it. He shared it on his social media. David shared it on his social media what we were gonna do. And when what Earl and I started rehearsing for those dates, we were in London, David passed away. And uh, so we had his blessing to do those dates. We didn't jump on a bandwagon. Those dates were booked and David knew about those. And uh, then uh, more recently, what, a year ago or, or a year and a half, two years ago, uh, Mike Garson was doing a, a thing called Celebrating David Bowie, and both myself and Earl Slick joined him on that. Myself, Earl Slick, Carmine Rojas, <laughs> Corey Glover from Living Color, a bunch of, a bunch of other people. Keith, you mentioned hoping to get Tackhead maybe out there in the second half of 2021. So we'll see what happens. But Oh, man, from your lips to God's ears, I would love to do that. I'm, I'm, I miss those cats, man. And I got to call Keith and tell him thank you for putting us, putting us together. Absolutely. Thank you for 
doing it. It's been great getting to know you better. And um, Likewise, sir. Be safe, man. Take good care. And you, take care of yourself, man. The COVID is out there and it's real. Yeah. Let's 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 stay on this side of the ground. Amen. Yep. All right. Take care of yourself, Mr. Gofine. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Truth and Rhythm. A big thank you goes out to our guest as well as to you, the viewer and listener. Also, much gratitude to Pleasure for supplying the show's funky opening and closing music. As a reminder, you can always access the complete list of linked shows by episode at funkinstuff.net. I urge you to support this program and receive the extra benefits along with that by subscribing to the Funk and Stuff channel on YouTube and sharing it with funk, R&B, and jazz lovers, joining Truth and Rhythm's membership program at Patreon, submitting a donation at funkandstuff.net, buying Everything is on the One, the first guide to funk book at Amazon, shopping at the Funky Things store for cool merchandise at funkandstuff.net, and linking through funkandstuff.net for all of your Amazon purchases. In addition, if you're an artist or anyone seeking proven, results-oriented, professional marketing, PR, writing, or editing consultation or production, check out the Media Services section at FunkinStuff.net. Also, I encourage you to drop me a line at scottg at FunkinStuff.net. I love the feedback, suggestions, guest requests, appearance and sponsorship inquiries, and just talking about my favorite subject, groove-based music. For now, and as always, this is Scott Dr. GX Goldfine saying, keep on vibing to the rhythm of the one. We'll